For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I think well, <laughs> Welcome to Into Millennial Money. Thanks so much for joining us as always on this Tuesday night. So unfortunately, as you guys see, Kevin can't be with us tonight. Uh, we wish Kevin the best. Uh, he can't be with us tonight, but we got a lot to talk about. Nonetheless, we're going to talk about the markets. We're going to talk about Bitcoin and uh, what Bitcoin's future is in Ethereum in 22. We're going to talk about the markets. We're going to talk about large cap stocks and where those stocks are valued at based upon historical norms and uh, maybe a little bit of our, you know, investing philosophies this year. So we're going to talk about a lot in this video. Hope you guys enjoyed as always. And first off, uh, if Kevin ever gets to see this video, just want to give Kevin kudos in a massive way because we know Kevin is the biggest Tesla investor, at least that I know personally. And Tesla had some unbelievable numbers yesterday. And so congrats to Kevin. Uh, cheers to you, Kevin, if you get to see this, man. That oh. was a... It's, wow. it's cheering me. I don't think it's fair. You're cheering Kevin, okay? Everyone's like, dude, Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. Well, guess what? Finally, what? my moment of glory. What did I say the other week? Ford. I was saying <laughs> Ford. Ford was the stock that I was uh, really excited about. And guess what? Look at this. Let's uh, here's, here's oh, 11% today. Tesla's dude, down 4%. Ford is up 11.67%. And if, wow. you count, if you count the last five days, it's up 17.3 since we last did it. Yeah. 17.3. Wow. That's insane. That's a year's worth of stock returns right there. I hope you Ooh. put all your money <laughs> Yeah. So my only, regret, my only regret was not buying more. But, uh, you know, that's this always the regret, though. When it goes up, you're like, oh, I should have bought more. And when it goes down, you're like, darn, I shouldn't have bought as much. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time. The, that truth, man. Truth. Well, congrats on, on that, Graham. And Andre, so everybody's looking at Bitcoin, man. It's hanging around 46,000. We're trying to figure out, are we going back under 40 again or, or what's going on here? Where's the momentum? I thought it was a new year, new excitement. <laughs> the only thing going up in my life right now is my age because it's my birthday today. So uh, happy birthday to me. Happy, birthday, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys know how old I am now? I I do. You oh, do. you do. I, you know what? I think uh, I'm so bad at this. I, I think 33, you're 33, right? Yeah, I'm turning, yeah, turning 33. Like yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, that's fun. Yay. On my way to 40. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the even better thing for you, Andre, is you're healthy, man, because I know a couple of weeks ago you were super sick. So, dude, I was yeah. so bad. Yeah, I still managed to make it, though. I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't sit it out. I was dying, though. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So, oh, Jeremy, have you Bitcoin yet? Is that what you're asking? Or <laughs> yeah, I want to know where. What's the price I get in at, man? That's what I know. I, oh. No, to be honest, Andre, you're gonna be mad at me. I sold off all the Bitcoin I was given and put it into VGX. I don't oh, know what it is about me. I just can't hold Bitcoin, man. Every time I get it, I'm just like, I, I try. Jeremy, to get out you, of it. Really, you really got rid of it? For I did. I, I sold it all. Yeah. All hundred dollars worth. <laughs> I'm trying to help you guys out, okay? Because if I sell, then Bitcoin might go up. So I'm trying to help you guys out in this scenario because we know as soon as I got Bitcoin, 
the price started to tank, right? It went from like 65,000 to 40, whatever. So maybe now that I'm getting out of Bitcoin, it can go up, you know? Yeah. So, so okay. I, I will say this about Bitcoin. You were right, Jeremy, and I was wrong. I, you know, Bitcoin didn't go to a hundred thousand dollars, uh, 2021. Um, so I actually genuinely thought it, it, it had a chance. It didn't say that it was going mm -hmm. to for sure. I, I really thought it would have, but um, just we lost momentum of the ETF, and now uh, I think they've postponed the judgment of the spot ETF until later this year, maybe Q2 of this year. They'll look it over again. Um, and so, you know, if people re-energize and they get that excitement back for the spot ETF, then then we'll probably keep going up. But for now, it's just nothing's exciting. Nothing's particularly happening. Um, but we've also got, you know, smart contracts potentially on Bitcoin soon. So we'll see yeah. you know, what happens uh, with that. That'll be interesting. Andre, speaking of the ETF, um, mm -hmm. I actually got a quote the other day from the SEC. I'm not sure where I found this exactly, but they said, <clears throat> they said in terms of the physical Bitcoin ETF, mm -hmm. they still lacked confidence that Bitcoin market that the Bitcoin market was free of manipulation and fraud. Right. So until they're properly addressed, an ETF is probably unlikely to happen. Yeah, That's, I saw. Now, so I know if, yeah. if, if investors are reading that, what are they going to assume? Oh, we're not going to get one this year, right? So they're going to sell and they're going to go somewhere else. Um, so, I mean, that's partially what's going on. But I, I don't understand. What, what do you mean? Like there's there's manipulation in the markets. There's Is there no manipulation in the stock market? Like what did we see with GameStop and AMC this past year? Like how, what are we doing here? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you could correct me, but uh, it does seem like some of the some of the big drops could have been manipulated from people who place a big sell order, cause all the leverage to kind of liquidate out. You get a yep. spiral down and they're able to buy back in, ride that back up. So there's a lot of volatility on that. I have a feeling we're probably going to get the uh, the ETF at a point where everyone is bored with Bitcoin. I could be mm. wrong. But it's probably going to be at the point where everyone's like, ah, oh, Bitcoin's not doing anything. It went up 5% the last year. It's boring. And the price yeah. is like consistent. The mm -hmm. same thing, probably at that point, they're going to uh, consider approving it. Well, haven't we kind of been trading sideways for a while now? We've kind of been stuck in the 40s, 50 range I mean, for a while now. Yeah, but you get a lot of movement in between. It's not like a gradual, just flat. There's a lot of up and downs along the way. Like we... We went from 69,000 down to like 40 pretty, or it was like 39 pretty quickly, back up to like 64, back down. So it's it seems like just, there's a lot of- yeah, But that's just the nature of Bitcoin, right? It's volatile. So I'm not sure what they're confused about. It's that, That's just what happens when you have an asset like that. But I don't know, man. I, I don't understand what they're thinking. I don't understand when they're going to finally do it. But I could, I could see it. Like if we drop to some- you know, new floor of like, let's say 30, or if we go back down to the previous high of like 20, you know, and then just people are bored with Bitcoin, like you said, and it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I could see them starting to regulate it at that point, but I yeah. don't know. Man. Uh, Andre, let me ask I'm you. Still, you know, I'm still optimistic that it's going to happen this year. I'm still optimistic, but I'm probably going to eat my words again and be like, oh, I thought it was going to go to 100, but it's not. Yeah. It's tough to make short-term predictions in anything, you know, Bitcoin yeah. stocks. I think anything's tough to make short-term predictions. Say, I will say, if there is an ETF that does get approved, I will give it like a couple weeks before Bitcoin hits a hundred grand. Like it'll be fast. Yeah, it, it's gonna move fast.
Yeah, and, and Andre, let me ask you your opinion on this. I don't think there's any way we can track the data behind this. But, you know, in terms of Bitcoin's recent price action, do you think it's more whales potentially selling out? Would it be smaller investors or it's just like there's really no buying momentum just because there's nothing exciting? Kind of what's your, your two cents about that? I mean, I don't look at like the graph details. I don't do um, chart analyses, so I'm not I don't follow that stuff. I'm just looking like at the macro perspective of it, you know, like who's buying or countries starting to buy or, you know, um, other institutions getting into it. So that's kind of more so what I'm paying attention to. I know Kevin's more of like the technical analysis guy, so he might be better off to answer that question. But um, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm assuming most of the the buying power is coming from you know, either whales or big institutions mostly, but I don't have the data to show you on that. Um, okay, well, oh, okay. Yeah, because, you know, if the price action is not really there and if it was really whales buying, wouldn't that mean Bitcoin was increasing quite a bit in price if, if whales were out there buying right now? No, 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 I'm saying that they're responsible for a huge part of the price action. So like if they're selling off, as Graham was saying, we're, we're seeing those triggers of the, you know, short selling or whatever, just like price drops and yeah, we get people leaving. All right. Now let's uh, let's. Uh, you know, by the way, uh, there was one thing I, I thought was interesting about crypto. I was uh, watching a lot of college football this past weekend because it's like a, a huge like college football weekend. And my gosh, the amount of commercials I saw for Crypto.com and Dude, just like going, yeah, and it, it led me to think. I was just thinking about it. I was like, Man, this is crazy because crypto is so crypto investing is so mainstream. In crypto, the utility is so not mainstream. It's just like interesting this this intersection we have in this divide. I don't, I don't think that's fair to say that it's not utility is not mainstream. The, the main it's utility, not. but you're associating utility with spending it as a currency, and I don't think that's I don't think that's what it main what its main utility is, right? But anyway, the, I agree with you. Like crypto.com is just like insane. Did you see the new Matt Damon commercial that they did? Yeah, dude, they played it a thousand times. It's crazy. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Could you explain this, Andre, for people like myself who have not seen Matt Damon is in a commercial? Which commercial is that? Yeah. And so yeah. how the commercial goes, because I've seen it 600 times this weekend on college football games. But basically, he's walking and he's presenting like, you know, people that have done amazing things. And he's like something we've learned throughout history is the fortune goes to the brave and basically equating investing in crypto to great feats that people have done in human history, which is just rather laughable to me. But, um, you know, anyways, Ooh, but it's but just are not responding well to it. They're like ripping, <laughs> him in. they're ripping into him for that. It's it, yeah. are really cringy. I don't know. It's not bad. It it's not terrible. But he's just basically saying it's like the pioneers that take the risks yeah. that, are, you know, reaping all the benefits and the rewards. And, you know, like crypto is the next step in human evolution where it's like it's kind of cringy, but it's. I mean, I get it. But. You know, someone could so easily edit that in and put like <laughs> Dogecoin at the end of it. Just like edit the whole thing and make it seem like it's some random whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah the I last part. The last part of it is astronauts. He's walking by astronauts, and it's like trying to say like if you buy crypto, like you're like you know you're taking risks like the astronauts take, and it's like come on, man, come on. You know, I'm not exactly not, sure. Not I see right that. terrible, but uh, you know, <laughs> right. they got uh, good effort. They they put in the they got creative with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was there were ones ads were on the strip. Like every every casino, every giant billboard, it's all over Vegas. Like you cannot avoid a billboard from Crypto.com. Yeah, which is, they got which is hilarious because now we're talking about it and we're not sponsored. Why aren't we sponsored? <laughs> <laughs> we're giving it more exposure. 
Oh gosh, I know it's it's true, but you know, uh, Ethereum. Let's talk about Ethereum for a minute, and maybe your perspective on on Ethereum, Andre. Do you think the same exact situation that's going on in Bitcoin is going on in Ethereum, or do you think there's a lot better chance for excitement and Ethereum to go up than Bitcoin, or do you feel like those are just the same thing as far as the price action goes? What's your opinion on uh, that? I think Ethereum has a higher chance of of exploding this year just because it's much more likely for Ethereum to get a futures ETF approved than a spot ETF for Bitcoin. And I know that people are going to get excited over the futures ETF for Bitcoin, for Ethereum. So once that happens, you know, I'll see it pumping a little bit. But um, yeah, it, it, the, the Ethereum's price is more dependent this year on its migration to proof of stake. So if it can get to proof of stake, which is not guaranteed this year, like a lot of people, I don't know if it's baked into the price yet, but, you know, people are assuming it's going to go through just fine. But even Vitalik's expressed some, like, doubt. He's like, I'm not sure. You know, like, we're going to try our best, but I don't know. It's not guaranteed. But if it happens, then the issuance rate on Ethereum should be cut by about 90%. So there's 90% less Ethereum being created at that point. In which case, combined with all of the, you know, utility that it has on it, it could very well become a deflationary coin. So, you know, we're burning more than we're creating. In which case, Ethereum's price should technically triple. Um, and if you follow the whole, um, gosh, what's the technical analysis, the, uh, you know, the, the graph that, that, that shows that Bitcoin should get to a hundred thousand dollars is a brain fart. It's getting Stock out to flow. Right? Stock to flow model. There we go. Yeah. So, so, so this year it, it says that we should technically hit a hundred thousand dollars based on that technical analysis. So if that's the case, then, and, and, and Ethereum's migration of proof of stake happens and it triples in value. Technically, that lines up because historically speaking, Ethereum has kind of trailed Bitcoin's price by about a factor of 10. So if Bitcoin gets to 100,000, it's not unreasonable to expect Ethereum to get to 10. Now, uh, do you think Solana and ADA are at all serious competitive threats to Ethereum or, is, or yeah. are those just kind of their own little thing? I wouldn't say they're threats, but I, I think they're, they're massive potentials this year. You know, okay. I, I don't I don't follow them hugely. I, I own a little bit of Cardano, but I don't really have any Solana. And um, but I know people are excited about it. I know it's huge and I'm sure it'll continue growing. <clears throat> but, yeah, I don't know. Do you own any uh, Cardano or a Solana? You don't own any crypto. I do. I own VGX, man. I'm all in VGX, all in like 98.7% of my portfolio, which Can is you tell me how much how much that is. Is that uh, I think it's like 100K. I, I, yeah, hey, I got, wow. yeah, I got like a 30,000 plus um, VGX. So what's the yeah. interest rate that's paying you for that? Oh, man, it's like, I think 7% ish. So, Seven but my, yeah, so, but my hope is VGX just doesn't go down more than 7%. That's the right, problem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. But in Graham, are are you investing yeah. in Ethereum? Remind us here. Uh, or are you yeah, and of course. I I my goal this year was so originally I had started off with 60, 40, 60% Bitcoin, 40% Ethereum. Uh the Ethereum's done quite well, but I've added on to Bitcoin. So now my goal is to get 50-50 between Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um and uh I think what am I at right now? Because it went down a little bit. So I think I'm at like 6%, 6.5% of my portfolio is Bitcoin, Ethereum. I want to try to get that to 8 And I don't think I'm going to exceed 8%. If it grows beyond that, great. But I'm buying that in proportion with like index funds. So if I'm buying, let's say, three, you know, we'll, we'll make it easy. If I'm buying $1,000 of, of an index fund, I'm buying, let's just say, $100 of Bitcoin, Ethereum. Let's just say. Mm -hmm. So yeah. give or take. 
Okay. Yeah, no, sense. I got you. Um, yeah, that, that's that's interesting. I mean, you you sound uh, equally bullish on Bitcoin and Ethereum. So, and then Andre, you almost sound a little more bullish on Ethereum than than Bitcoin, or is, are you just equal as far as your views on both of those bullishness? Mm, I'm, I'm kind of equal, but I I think Ethereum has a higher chance of of again outpacing Bitcoin this year again. Okay. Um, but I will say that I think this year, more so than any of the cryptos, I think what we'll see a, a huge price appreciation in is NFTs. I think this year this year will be the year of NFTs more so. Um, I just actually, true story, I got invited to this um, private group chat by uh, Steve Aoki. Like, I don't know Steve personally very well, but I've, I've talked to him before and he just like invited me to this one group and it's all these whales, like all these DJs and like crazy wealthy people that are just buying these NFTs, right? And I looked at the board apes and it's it's insane. So my roommate, Angelo, he just recently discovered NFTs. Like he, he knew about them before, but he's starting to buy them. And he's asking me every day, he's like, Andre, should I get this one? And so he just bought one today. And it's so crazy because like in a way, unless you're buying the top tier stuff, like the board apes and the crypto punks, everything else to me is the equivalent of like gambling. Unless maybe you're also mm -hmm. buying VV. But it's just like, it's no different than going to the casino and just like betting it on red. It's like, yeah. who knows whether they're going to go up in value or not. I, I just think that most of them are not going to be worth much in a couple of years, but yeah. top tier ones, sure. Um, if, and for, if you think, sorry. yeah, go ahead. You go. I was going to say, if you think about the traditional art market, that's exactly how it is, right? Most art pieces are worth, you know, next to nothing. And then you got some pieces that are worth millions or tens of millions of dollars. And it's like, wow, or hundred million yeah. plus, you know, it's crazy. So it's it's really interesting because um, have you guys heard of like Veblen goods? Yep. I feel like Veblen goods just um, so, so Veblen goods are kind of like they're kind of the antithesis of like normal supply and demand where you know like the cheaper something is, the more people buy it, the more people can afford it. Whereas Veblen goods is just like conspicuous consumption where it's just like people buy expensive things that go up in value just because they're going up in value. And it's just like, it's a way for society to virtue signal to others that like, hey, I'm successful and I'm wealthy and I got this thing. Look, I spent 300 grand on this like picture of this one thing. And, and it's like, that's the price catalyst. It just keeps going up because it can and because it does. And these bored apes, for example, they've got so much star power now. I think like Eminem bought one today or yesterday. Um, and it's crazy. Like they're just exploding. And my whole thing is like, you know, is that something worth buying or is that only going to be relevant for the time period that these celebrities are talking about it? Yeah, and that's the, the risk. Down, and then once the hype dies down, then what? I don't know. Like that's we're such in like new territory here that it's really fascinating, this whole world of NFTs. But I think just this year is going to be the, the time to speculate on these NFTs. Um, so so anyway, my advice to my roommate was, dude, unless you've maxed out your Roth IRA. Oh. Can you guys still hear me? Sorry, did I cut yeah, out? I can. Yeah, you're good. Right, so, so unless unless you've maxed out your Roth IRA, your 401k, and you know you you have some index funds, you have an HSA, like you have no business buying these NFTs. So you have to diversify. But on the other hand, I'm sure you guys will agree with me. Every wealthy every wealthy person I've ever met has never gotten rich being diversified. They always just like put their money into one specific focus, and that's how they made. The majority of their wealth so it's such an interesting time period that we're in like you can diversify as long as you have 40 years on your side but if you don't or if you want to speculate 
then it just seems like that's the place and that's the time to do it. So I don't know. It's like this, this crazy time we're living in. Yeah, yeah no. And, and by the way, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Veblen Goods, did you explain that to Corey or did Corey explain that to you? Um, no, I just actually saw it because I was watching some uh, watch videos on YouTube and uh, Teddy Balthazar was his, uh, a, a guy I watch for like watches on YouTube. He was talking okay. about Veblen Goods and like Philip, uh, you know, Patex and Philippe Patex and all this. Yeah. Oh, okay, because Corey sent me a Loom video. We were talking about something last night, and and she brought up that, and it's just hilarious that you brought it up. So I'm guessing oh, you guys I, must have talked to her about it yesterday. I talked to her okay. about it yesterday. Yeah, I'm like, there's yeah. no way this is coincidence. There's no <laughs> way. No, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's a fascinating thing, right? It's like, you know, Ferraris are a Evelyn good. They, people buy yeah. them just because they keep going up in value, and there's virtually no floor, like no ceiling price where people stop. They just continue just because it's getting more expensive. Rolex. Yeah. Rolex and a lot of brands. So yeah, I mean, boy, so it kind of, it's funny how we, we kind of flow as, um, you know, an investment community, because it kind of seemed like in 2020, it was like stocks. And then at the very end of 2020 into 2021, it kind of moved to options, right? Then it was like crypto, 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 or, or actually it was meme stocks. Then it was crypto, crypto. Yeah. Yeah, then it was then it was crypto, then crypto hit all time high Bitcoin, right? Then also now it's NFTs, and it seems like it seems like as we go along, it's just moving to riskier and riskier assets as we. And maybe that's just the bull cycle we're in. I think I think that's just a result of uh, there's a, for the people that have money, they have a lot of it, they have an excess of it, and uh, when everything is going up, it becomes very easy to speculate on things like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and also it might be a different. Um, you know, way of, of the younger generation, you know, let's call it the under 50 crowd that has gotten a lot of money over the past, let's say 10 years, the way uh, we might view it, where older generations, if you got a lot of money, you were kind of like, okay, let's put this in the bank. Let me have a bunch of cash. Let me put a bunch of money in CDs and stuff like that. And meanwhile, you know, us younger generation, we're like, oh, we're trying to make another 10 mil and another 10 mil and another 10 mil. And we're like, never satisfied. Whereas, Previous generations, it was kind of like, hey, let's just put this in the bank. We're good for life. Like, like that is what it is, right? So I don't know why yeah. it is that way, uh, but it, it seems like it's that way. So. Well, it just seems like, so for example, if you're old, right, you're looking for some kind of yield. You're looking for fixed income assets, whether it's in dividend stocks or in the bond market. And now that our yields are like, you know, if you're a dividend investor, you're looking for 4% a year, maybe 5% a year for that safe, nice yield. But if inflation's seven percent, then it's like your real your real rate of return is negative. So exactly. you're forcing investors you're forcing investors to go further down the trough of risk. Before you know it, you're buying board apes or whatever it is, and it's just <laughs> like it, it's just like there's this outsized level of risk you're you're taking because you almost have to. Like in like in the 1970s yep. when inflation was ridiculously high, there was virtually nothing you could buy to made you that made you money. You just have to accept the fact that inflation just robbed from you. And you're like, okay, I, I guess that's what it is. But nowadays we have these crazy assets and crazy communities that are driving these prices. And for all we know, they can continue going higher because we're in some new paradigm or mm -hmm. someday this thing's just all going to collapse. And we'll be like that. That was the turning point. We should have stopped and <laughs> we should have seen it coming when people are buying like rocks and monkeys on a, on a computer screen. So I, that that's what it feels like to me. That's why we're taking such a huge outsized risk. It's like because we almost have to. Our generation yeah. is forced 
is forging their own assets because we've lost control of the traditional assets, or at least we feel like we have. We're not in control of yeah. stocks I and all these other I wonder stuff. how similar this would have been during the dot-com bubble. Right. I'm so yeah. curious if the people our age during the dot-com right. bubble were saying the same thing mm -hmm. as though this is this new paradigm, they don't get it. I'm very curious to see what's what's going to happen with this, because especially mm -hmm. with crypto, we've already <clears throat> seen many crashes along the way. So it's not like this one isolated event where like everything is going up indefinitely. Like we've seen 2018, everything dropped like 90%. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I, I don't see, if in the dot-com bubble, were there a lot of people our age that were investing? I feel like there wasn't very little, like it, it was only recently that we had such an influx of new investors, partially because of social media. Um, but you're right, like I would be curious to see back then like what was the memification of back then? It was like these internet stocks and only very few really survived past that era. Like the Amazons and whatever, the Googles maybe survived, but everyone else just kind of died off. So to me, I feel yeah. like, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, the, the internet bubble was was pretty widespread. You know, I don't think it was as wide, nearly as widespread as let's say crypto adoption in, in this mm -hmm. cycle that we're going through right now. I think crypto is way more mainstream than than tech stocks, but that was a that was huge financial news for years. You know, and it's something you still hear about all the time. You know, the tech bubble when it blew up. I mean, it's just it, from '95 to about you know '99, 2000 when things crashed. It was immense. Um, but yet, I don't think nearly as many retail investors were likely in that because although online brokerages were taken off during that time, because that was kind of the first steps of getting online brokerages and things like that. I still mm -hmm. don't, it was, you can't even compare it to how many people are in crypto and how many people have significant portions, I think, of their, their money in, in uh, crypto. Which, which brings us to another point of, is this a much bigger widespread risk to the economy or something if crypto really had a devastating crash, right? Where, you know, I'm talking like a 60, 70, 80% type crash. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about like Bitcoin, right? And, yeah. you know, I don't know. Do you, think, do you think there's a difference between when the tech bubble was happening, there was mostly institutional buying and selling versus nowadays with crypto? I feel like it's more driven by the retail side of things. And I, no, they're, they're not the same. They're very different in how they react to markets. So um, true. I, I don't know if, if it'll have the same like downfall, right? Because it's not driven by the same actors. So yeah, it, it's true. I think as long as there's always people there to buy, there to buy the dip, the dip, as they say, right? I think that yeah. that gives it some protection. I think if you get into a uh, bad economy, which I know Elon Musk was on record recently talking about potentially a recession in the springtime or summertime, or he was talking about the latest 2023, which, you know, just because Elon Musk is the richest man in the world doesn't mean he necessarily knows when a recession is going to come. But you got to think about it. If that did happen in money dried up, credit dried up, you know, um, what assets are they coming out of first and what's the last thing you sell, you know, in a right. scenario yeah. like that? I, so, I agree. If, if all else fails, then the, the first to go will always be the riskiest assets, which in this case, you know, are the NFTs, are the cryptos, like that's going to be the first to go and the hardest to fall. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's going to be bad. But do you guys, do you guys own any NFTs? Um, I know you don't, Jeremy, but Graham, oh, I own a lot. I own a lot. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, Jeremy, you don't have, like, you're relatively diversified, but you don't own any like alternative assets that I'm aware of otherwise other than maybe like 
Teslas, which I don't know if they're investments. But. Yeah, I, I really like to stay in my lanes. You know, I, I have certain lanes. I have certain stocks I like to be involved with. And I don't like to venture too far out um, because I, I don't I don't ever want to put my money in something that I couldn't fully explain to you. Right. And this is no disrespect to you, Graham, but I could guarantee you if I put you on the spot to explain in depth what Ethereum is, there's no way you could do it right now. And that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to ever be put on the spot where you you put me on the spot and explain this investment and I couldn't do it to you. You know, there's just no way. And so that's why I like to be in in things that I really know about, you know, um, and that's why I don't venture into these other things that I just don't know. I'm like, I, I don't know how to explain that. Well, right? let, me, let, me, let, me, let me try to crack at it. Uh, unless, Graham, you want to respond. No, I was I mean, my only response to Jeremy is that, uh, you know, Ethereum is so complex and I feel like I, I would probably understand 15 percent, maybe even 10 percent of how it works. Um, but I bet if you ask most people who are investing in, let's say, uh, I don't know, a laptop, let's just say, if you ask them, how does that work? Or how, how does how does the internet work? Or how, how exactly does your phone work? I feel like it, it, asking technology, how some technology works, is very difficult. So I think as long as we understand that the internet is, is a bridge for all this information, or this computer allows us to do all of these things, I think with Ethereum, it allows us to have everything within a smart contract and uh, you know have everything done automatically without without someone overseeing it i think that's uh that that's the benefit yeah i mean i have a little different view when it comes to an investment because an investment you you know if you can't explain it on, on a very very high level where you understand it nearly inside and out i just don't think it's investable i think that's more gambling um and it doesn't mean it can't work out because you can make that you can make a lot of money gambling Right. Um, but, you know, if I asked you about a real estate investment property, Graham, you would ex explain to me on, a, on the highest level possible why that house is a great investment or why it's not. Right. And you Jeremy, would understand all the intricacies. Can you can you explain to me the the, the chemical process behind lithium ion batteries, please? <laughs> That's a whole different game there, uh, Andre. Why? <laughs> that's, that's not that's not the way this works i can explain oh, okay. to you in detail i can explain to you in detail why everybody's moving to electric vehicles what's the pluses of that okay. what I will, the numbers I'll try, they can hit. I'll try i'll try with ethereum so ethereum to me is the fuel of web3 right mm -hmm. so web3 is the decentralization of corporations of processes that typically require a corporation right um and so ethereum is kind of the fuel of that future the monetary fuel if you will um, in, at, at its simplest core, if you want to like explain it from from a simple now, now if you want me to like break it down, then to me that's like the equivalent of asking someone, oh, so you're a Tesla investor? Well, tell me, sir, the chemical breakdown of lithium-ion batteries and how a car works. It's 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 kind of like the equivalent of asking that question. I disagree. Uh, the next step for me, as far as my questioning would be, is is why is Ethereum going to be super relevant over others? Why is Ethereum much better than Solana? Why is Ethereum much better than ADA? Kind of they're no different than if, if I gave you a bullish thesis around Tesla, I would be able to tell you why Tesla is going to outsell Ford and outsell GM and, and do these sorts of things. So I think that would be the next questioning that you kind of go in depth. Um, yeah, on, right? but I mean, we can, we can we can trade punches there, too, but I'm just saying. There has to, I think before you have a, a conversation with someone, there has to be a parameter that you set where you're like, what parameter do I have to meet for you in order for you to understand that concept? Because if yeah. I give you an answer, you might find that insufficient. And you're like, yeah, but, or, you know, you might disagree with it for whatever reason. 
kind of like I might disagree with the fact that you might say, well, Andre, why is Ethereum the future of Web3? Why not something else? In the same yep. way that I could say, why is Tesla the future of electric cars and not Neo or something else? Or mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, no one has a crystal ball as far as what could happen to a company in the future. So in some sense of the word, we're all taking some leap of faith in trying to understand or guess what the outcome of something is. And therefore, we can't have a debate without at least agreeing to that. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, 100%. But... You know, if I was to go in, in, in deeper with Ethereum, I would say, you know, like how many how many people are going to use Ethereum? What year are we talking uh, that this many people are going to use Ethereum? How much does that help Ethereum? Right. That, that's where you start to get into the nitty gritty, interesting stuff to me, at least. Um, no different than, like I said, with Tesla, it's like they can hit this revenue number and this net income number. Here's how I get to that number. Da, 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 and we can put the whole pieces together. Right. Um, so I don't know that, that that's kind of my opinion on that um no different than graham with real estate investing he doesn't necessarily have to know that um you know why this electrical wire goes in this just because it's part of the house but he can be able to give me you know here's here's why this house is going to appreciate this much over time here's why it's going to produce much this much cash flow here's what property sold in the area for recently he can go super in depth on that um True. And, but that's and so because but that's because every industry or every asset class has its own um, I guess has their own parameters for which we can judge the potential future. Um, and I think the problem with trying to explain crypto to you is that you are taking uh, the, the parameters of say stocks and you're trying to apply that to crypto in the same way that I might ask Graham about real estate and say, but Graham, how, how can a house appreciate in value if I can't stake it and earn interest on it or, or some weird mechanic of crypto to real estate which wouldn't make much sense in the same way that you can't ask well what is the you know uh profit margin of ethereum or what is you know what is uh the expected rate of like you know it, it's not a company it's not the same asset class so the parameters have to be different and i think if you educate yourself on that then the questions change and then you're more open to listening to the answer if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. What's the main questions you would ask? As far as what? As far as Ethereum and, and a bullish thesis on Ethereum, if you were trying to get involved, right? What's what's the questions you were asked that you would think are appropriate? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, you know, things like how long has it been around? Uh, uh, you know, who are the owners? What is the consensus model? Uh, what is okay sorry my you're you're raising eyebrows what's up come on man that's a that's lame stuff that, that's like that's that's way lame that's like saying hey when was tesla founded come on we got to go a little deeper than that come on when was tesla found what yeah like what? that that's so that's so base level we got to go deeper than that we're we're past that level okay we got to go the next step deeper here okay i want sure. to hear a question than that What's what's a question you you might want to apply to Ethereum that you're not sure? That's what I'm asking you. That's what I'm asking you, Andre. You you got to answer this. You, you tell me. But I'm telling you, like when it was founded, like that that's like way too base level stuff. I, we need deeper than that. Um, you know, uh, like like can we run yeah. any projection? By the way, guys. 
Go ahead. I'm I'm thinking we should probably talk about this for another minute or two and then go to stocks. Um, okay. Just oh, for yeah. everyone who came for the stock stuff. Oh, that's right. We make sure we cover everything. <laughs> we did title it stocks. My bad. No, right. but I think we're having a good discussion here that people are learning from because I think, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to investment classes, you've got to be able to stick up for your thing. And if you can't really stick up for it, um, you know, what are you doing? I think I think we're having a, a productive discussion here. But, it, you know, that that's my thing, Andre. You know, like like what's the what's that mid tier level of questions mm. that you think yeah. is appropriate for somebody to ask if they're 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 asking about you know for someone like you I, I don't know what would satisfy you so i would have to come back to that i'm not sure what would satisfy jeremy's um would, no not, what would satisfy andre if you would if you if you were you know looking into this that's the main thing i'm asking. historic performance how relevant is it to the industry as far as usability where are all the most talented developers in the world what protocol are they using what applications are being developed on it does it have majority market share, in which case Ethereum does? How long has it been around? How long has technology been the dominant force in that industry? Which in, in, in technology and tech, you have you have to be so incre incredibly far ahead of the competition to stay on top for, you know, six, seven years, especially in the crypto space, which is incredibly fast moving. And so you look at the historical performances and the developments that have happened over the years. Um, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, there you now, go, on. That's good. Yeah. That's good. There we go. <laughs> Thank baby. you. People think you don't know anything, man. I knew you knew something. Good job, Andre. There we go. Baby. What? People don't think I know anything. <laughs> you got to read the comments That's sometimes. People, man, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, Andre, he doesn't know anything about crypto. You know, and in that that right there, I had to put you on the spot and get to prove yourself, man. That was good. That was good response right there, Andre. You know, those are good questions. And, and as I listen to you. Yeah. yeah. As I listen to you, that all made sense on everything oh, you yeah. just went into right there. Those were yeah. those to me were great questions, you know, like yeah. developers, who's developing and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So, Where is the talent going? Where, which protocol excites yeah. people the most? And I think Ethereum is at the top of that. I love so. that. And what, one last thing on crypto is, uh, you know, I, I wonder how many people are getting pulled into crypto for development versus, um, you know, like big tech. Uh, because there's a there's a theory that a lot of the best talent developer talent in the world is actually going toward crypto ethereum and other projects right now versus traditionally yes yes that's been going yeah. a long time yeah, yeah instead of like let me go work at apple or let me go work at, at yeah. tesla Lots. or google or yeah. whatever. yeah some of the brightest people in the world in the tech world have abandoned their corporate jobs and they've just gone to work on either um ethereum or, or their own crypto that they want to create or something else because that's far more exciting for them and you know to those people they they know a lot more about tech in the future where the world is going than i do certainly so um it's in a way i defer to people smarter than me and see where they're going and where they want to develop and i think that's a big part of determining what could be successful yeah 100 percent. that's a huge catalyst for crypto just overall because at the end of the day if you get enough talent into an industry you know, it's going to it's going to it's going to end up, you know, the timeline when it when it becomes mainstream is, is debatable. Yeah. But in terms of yeah. if you keep racking up the talent, they're, they're going to make it big, man. Yeah. So I, I love that. OK, so anyways, uh, stocks. Yeah. What do you guys want to talk about as far as uh, stocks go? The juicy stuff. How have your stocks been doing, Jeremy? Well, uh, we got Tesla doing well. We got Walgreens doing well. Tattoo Chef's doing nothing. Um 
Honest is doing pretty much nothing. SDC had a great day yesterday, but then it went down. So we we kind of we got a we got a mixed bag. The bigger yeah. companies I own are doing well. The small caps have not been performing well, and uh, we're going to see if if this is a turn for the small caps because that's where I've been putting all my chips on the table, man. Small caps. The last six months, I've just been plowing it, and um, now's the time when we get to see does it, does a flip happen or is it just continue to get devastated? So, yeah. but. You know, if you look at the market right now, large caps uh, are, are for the most part trading rich. And, and, and here's why folks should care about large cap stocks, because large cap stocks are the biggest weight of the market. So the large cap stocks are really what dictate if the S&P 500 goes up, the NASDAQ, things like that. And if you look at Apple, uh, Apple, if you look at its trading ranges for a P ratio over the past 15 years, we're trading significantly above any point. Apple traded at PE wise since basically the iPhone came out and think about like, there's not nearly as much growth for Apple moving forward as there was in the past. Right. But yet it's trading at a much richer valuation PE wise. Um, if you look at Microsoft, same exact situation. So I think there's some risk in large caps, um, which is a, a little fearful if you're an index fund investor or you're just a, a big, big tech investor. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's possible those stocks could stagnate a bit. Their earnings could catch up and then they fall more in line. So it's not like necessarily those stocks have to crash to come back to normal ranges. So um, do you think that's partially do you think that's partially because the interest rates are expected to go higher? So inflation means tech usually just goes lower and investors are just being scared that they might just rotate into either value stocks or some of the small caps. I think so. Yeah. I think that's exactly what's happening. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when, when the stimulus ends. Uh, I think that's going to be basically end of March. That's the plan. We'll see what happens on that. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when stimulus ends, interest rates begin to increase, and, and how investors react to that. Um, even though it's kind of easy to price in and think now, all right, they're going to rise a little bit. You know, I remember in 2018, when this happened, when the Fed began raising rates and they just like just barely, the real estate market really softened. Uh, certain areas dropped about 10%. Things were sitting on the market a lot longer. We have now crazy different factors playing in today than we did in 2018. 2018, I mean, they were building houses left and right. There was a lot of remodels. There was a lot on the market. So if interest rates go up, people are like, oh, you know, I'm, it's, it's a little bit more expensive. Prices have to come down. Today, it might just be like prices stay the same. But I'm really interested to see what happens with this because uh, it's anything can happen at this point. So, so Graham, I have a question for you for for real estate. Um, I, I know, like, correct me if I'm wrong. So, for every like one percent increase to the rates, typically people can expect for homes to correct ten percent, right? So, yeah, um, on average, as, yeah. right. So, but historically speaking, interest rates for mortgages, even if it's at four percent, I think the average right now is like what three point two um, for a thirty year fix. Yeah, uh, something like that. So if if it goes to, let's say, 4.2, which which sounds terrifying right now, but historically speaking, that's still a relatively low rate. Like that's still relatively affordable for a lot of people. So maybe do you think prices could potentially just like kind of shrug it off and be like, uh, whatever, let's just keep buying. I'm going to park my money somewhere if inflation is going to keep going up. Or or do you think if yeah. it goes up to four two, then it's like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to correct Potentially, uh, it could very much be that. So, uh, so we'll see. 
And, uh, you know, it's not like a one size fits all approach either, where it's like, you know, mm -hmm. interest rates go up 1%, prices automatically fall. There's so many individual conditions that take into account, like, you know, interest rates could very well rise and certain locations are going to continue going up just because there's more demand. Mm -hmm. So if people are into the houses, um, you know, that might continue to keep prices elevated. Are you buying any real estate or are you looking at, I know you were looking at the commercial stuff, but are you looking into any single families? I, uh, no, not really. I mean, probably not. It probably wouldn't make sense. Ideally, I would love to buy a larger building this year. Uh, mm -hmm. that's my goal by like, you know, middle to end of the year. I would love to be able to do that, uh, and fix up each unit and, you know, hire on a big team on that and, and do something, I, but we'll see okay. because it's extremely competitive and maybe if interest rates go up, you know, maybe that kind of outprices me from some of the more expensive stuff. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see just because everyone has so much money right now. So maybe a 1% increase to the rates is just like, who cares? That's fine. I can still afford it. I don't know. But it seems like at some point, and what was it last year in 2021, at the beginning of the year, the median sale price was like 369000 And at the beginning of, no, at the end of 2021, it, it went up to 416000 which is like crazy when you consider the median family income 71,000. And like, I remember a couple of years ago when I was making 70,000 a year, I was looking at a $300,000 house and I was like, dude, Andre, you cannot afford a house this bit, like this expensive. So, I mean, does, does there come a point at which a median home price goes up to 450 and if families are making 70, like at what point is it like, it just becomes unaffordable? I don't know. Yeah, the, the, Andre, you you said something interesting. You said everybody has too much money, uh, but I, I think a lot of people would beg to differ about that, right? Maybe it's just the the richest of the rich have too much money. The millionaires have, maybe have too much money right now, but I don't know if the the average person has too, necessarily too much money at the moment. No, that's um, fair. You know, um, and you you brought up inflation earlier, and I remember Ray Ray Dalio made uh, an interesting point recently. He was talking about how much the dollar is getting destroyed and. Uh, you know, he, he basically said, well, you know, if you have one dollar and you invest in the stock market, that dollar is worth 34 cents less now than it was before. If you try to invest that in real estate, it's worth uh, I don't remember if he had said 25 cents or 30 cents less right now than it was last year. And so that inflation, it's it's um, it's a killer, man. It's a killer to the money. And the crazy thing is the dollar is held up um, strong versus other currencies, which is just mind blowing. Wait, to think you about. said that if you had invested a dollar into the stock market or real estate market, you would your dollar would be worth less. If you didn't, if, oh, you, if didn't. you didn't, oh okay, yeah, okay. yeah. If you didn't, basically just pointing out how much the dollar has gotten destroyed recently. So right. uh, yeah, I mean it's unfortunate for anybody that doesn't hold assets. Like if you don't hold assets, you just pretty much gotten screwed, you know, to be quite honest, um, in, in this whole scenario. So the only way you could end up feeling good is if assets all crash, you know, like let's say stocks crash, Bitcoin crash, real, real estate crash. But the thing is it would have to crash so much now just for it to get back to where it was, let's say a couple of years ago, right? The market yeah. would need to pull back, oh gosh, probably 20 plus percent just to get let's back see. to where we were. But see, I, th I think the worst case scenario is a 10% correction. If, if you were to increase like the rates by 1%, in which case the math on that, I think is home prices drop to like the 370 or somewhere around that range, 10% correction, um, maybe 390, I forget what it was, but um, somewhere in the $300,000 range. And even in that range, 
uh, people will just scoop that up. Like, I feel like it'll be absorbed so fast by millennial demand, by um, institutional investors, you know, the hedge funds, international buyers, which makes up a huge portion of like the California market. So even if we get a dip of 10%, that's just going to be a buy the dip opportunity for so many of those wealthier um, players. So I don't know, man, I, I feel like the market has to drop substantially for people to, uh, <laughs> for, for everyone to go, everyone to have enough to go around. I don't know. A no, 10% no, no. buy the dip. Yeah, by the dip. Yeah. And I mean, if the, if if folks have plenty of cash around, that's the main thing, I guess, you know, that's the name of the game. So, um, you know, if, if they have enough cash around to buy the dip, as they say, right. But, um, but also, but also the, 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 the labor market is such a tight market. Did you guys see in November, they just released the data It was like, how many million of people, how many millions of people quit their jobs? It's like 4.5 or something ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been record highs for quitting jobs. Yeah, in November, it is just released. The day. Oh, yeah, a record 4.5 million quit their job in November. So that's that's insane. So, I mean, all that leads to is just higher wages, right? Um, just employers have to compensate for the lack of people to hire. So they're incentivizing people with more pay, which means inflation naturally has to go up because companies have to pass on those costs somehow to consumers. So there's so many forces driving inflation naturally higher. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, you know, what's your guys' opinion on, uh, you know, you're saying real estate, if there's any sort of dip, it's just a buy it by the dip. Um, so does that mean we're in for another year of nice appreciation in real estate? What do you guys think about that? Especially here in Vegas? Yeah, I think I, so. I, I think, uh, I, my personal belief is that taxes are only going up. I, I can't imagine a scenario and maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to come back on this and be like, wow, Graham, that was terrible. That aged well. I just have a feeling uh, the, the debt is so high. The spending is so high. How are they going to pay for it? Well, the only two ways to pay for it really are inflation, which we're kind of seeing now, and taxes. Um, or they just keep printing into oblivion and keep pushing it down. for So that, that's a possibility too. But I think realistically, it's a lot easier to slowly raise taxes. And it might not be from... 37 to 50% overnight, but it'll probably be from 37 to 39.6. In fact, I think the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, doesn't that expire in 2026? So it goes back to that anyway, um, unless they unless they change it. So probably it'll go to 39.6, and then it'll be, on incomes over $5 million a year, it'll be 42. It'll probably be such a gradual thing that, you know, eventually they'll lower it down uh, into lower income limits. But that's my guess. So I think, you know, taxes are only going up. And I think the more taxes go up, the more people might consider uh, uh, no income tax states or, or just cheaper states to live. Uh, because if more of your money is going to tax, you could get a higher quality of life somewhere else. And I think the more people are, are able to work remotely or from their computers, or maybe even from the metaverse one day, the more it's going to make sense to move to different locations. And I think Nevada's perfectly positioned same with texas florida there's a lot of places out there i think the only catch is that if they do increase taxes it like you said it will be on the richest so i probably won't affect most people but the tax increases will probably still trickle down to normal people um in the form of just like job losses or whatever it might be um if wealthy people want to leave those states or whatever and go somewhere else to build their business that's the real effect uh but i don't you see yeah go ahead 
I was gonna say, do you guys feel like you're underinvested to real estate, overinvested, or kind of where you want to be as far as your real estate investments go? Mm. Uh, I, I know for me, it's probably underinvested. I would like under to have more real estate. And, and by the way, my prediction for for next for this year, I think home prices will appreciate by seven to ten percent this year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty that's, big number. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what everyone that's what everyone's predicting. I think it was Core Logic predicted six percent. Uh, yeah. There's someone who I who I would trust for all the data. I think it was Redfin that predicted. I think it was four to six percent, and I, I forget who was the lowest came in at like two point nine percent, which is basically inflation. So whatever inflation is, that's that's what real estate's going to be. That was yeah. the lowest. But then again, everybody in the, in the beginning of the pandemic predicted that real estate was going to drop about six percent. Everybody, and it went up like eighteen percent. So. Yeah. Even the best experts out there have no idea what's going to happen. There's so many yeah. variables that could pop up. Yeah. And like I said, like at, at what point do people look at home prices and they're like, you're telling me the median home price is $470,000. Like, dude, I can't afford that. And demand has to drop, but I don't know at what point that, that happens. And, and like Graham said, it, de it depends on the market. Every state, every city is different. It depends on the job market. So it's hard to say there's no blanket answer. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so, you guys have any uh, stock market predictions for for twenty two? You guys thinking it's going to be a good year in the markets uh, or a bad Mine's year? Really my prediction is really lame. I said seven percent at least. That's my prediction. That, that's as confident as I can get with it. So, just it'll do at least what the market should do, basically. Okay. So, pretty pretty in line with what you think for real estate. Then it sounds like, yeah, as far as appreciation goes. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Graham? How are you feeling? I'm not sure. I think I wouldn't be surprised if interest rates kind of spook the market a little bit, um, especially when you have tech making up such a big part of the S&P that all I think it takes is is one spooky event of, you know, people getting a little bit uh, anxious about rising rates. Uh, if inflation comes in a little bit too hot again, maybe it's are they worried that interest rates are going to go up faster than expected? How is that going to impact prices? Maybe it's better to sell now. I'm not sure. I'm ex honestly like, and I've said this before, I would expect more of a flat year. And uh, whether that be the markets between two and 5% this year, it wouldn't surprise me. And I would think that's a, a decent year. If we can make 5% in the S&P over the next year, I would consider that to be somewhat of a success, uh, <laughs> given just how crazy the last few years have been. I'd, I'd say that would be a massive failure for us if inflation's more than that, though. Like the real yield would be uh, negative on that. Yeah, but we've been up. What is it like fifty percent in the last like year and a half? It's hold on. Yeah. I, I mean, no, we can't yeah. expect it to go up forever. I guess the only question is, does the stock market take into consider? Like, is the price baked into the to the price and in, to the interest rate increase already or not? And I, and I feel like we've, we've been talking about those rate increases for so long. Do you think the market's already kind of anticipated that? Like we, we know there's going to be th at least three this year. And to my knowledge, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it supposed to be like 0.25% per increase? So at the most, we'll see 0.75% realistically. And I'm sure the market is sophisticated enough to take that into consideration. So yeah, I don't so, know. yeah we are up, by the way, 45% since february wow. of 2020 so right before the crash i'm taking the peak before the crash to today yeah 45 that's how much we're up had you just yeah, stayed wow. invested 
Yeah, that that brings out two good points. Carried by uh, the large caps to get us there. One and two, it, you know, it just proves that time in the market beats time in the market. Like, and imagine if you were buying all, all along the way when it went down, as it was going back up. You know, uh, you know, Graham. I know you're you're super solid about just consistently buying index funds. You know. And um, consistently just putting in money and putting in money and, and, you know, whether the market goes up, down, you're always putting in money. And that's just, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not looking to put in any work, like you don't want to, you know, research cryptos, you don't want to research stocks, um, you don't want to own individual investment properties, right? The, be the, best, the best thing is just consistently buy index funds over time, something that tracks S&P 500, because you're always going to more than likely get consistent gains. As long as in the United States of America, we have great companies that are innovating, um, you know, you're going you're to make money over time. And it literally involves no work other than just consistently buying. So you don't have to listen to earnings calls like I do. You don't have to, you know, research and read white papers like Andre does. You don't have to worry about the plumbing leak that just happened at Graham's rental property or any of that. You get to just buy. Hold on. Let me clarify. I, I'm not reading white papers. That's not. I did that in 2017 and that got me nowhere. I realized that even buying the top 10 cryptos in 2017, even if you think you understand the tech or whatever it might be, does not matter. That's that is not at all what determines where the market's just going to go. And so. I've adopted the same exact mentality for stocks, which is just continue to buy the S&P 500 every single day or just consistent, consistently and to do the same thing with Bitcoin and Ethereum. Like, that's it. Just mm -hmm. stop wasting your time trying to guess and gamble and see which which technology is better and which one's faster and safer. Like, this is the same old song being replayed from 2017 all over again. So, like, I don't, I don't care. Like, it doesn't excite me. I don't feel FOMO if I read, like, you know, this person made $3 billion, they made whatever, you know, like, it's not, I don't care. I don't feel FOMO. I don't need to win in every single bet I make. As long as I stick to just the few that I know, I'm happy with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it goes, it, it shows something too. You know, I did the monkey portfolio and that, that was eye opening. that like mm -hmm. just blindly picking stocks worked in this market. Mm -hmm. Now, who knows what, what's going to happen during a down market that very well, I have a feeling just as much as it went up, it would go down beyond everything else in a down market. But it is surprising that uh, when everything is going up, having a monkey just pick mm -hmm. stocks out of thin air. You know, Graham, well, is, yeah. is, that, is that monkey sponsoring you? Because every time you find a way to bring up the monkey, man. I'm every proud time. of the monkey. I am proud I, of that experiment. I, I put my money on the line on that. I could have lost a lot. And I mean, I went into it thinking, listen, the worst case, it's probably going to get an average of, of some random stocks, not that big of a deal. So my loss, I felt, was isolated to probably 40% worst case. Jeremy, um, Graham's going to put a monkey course out. <laughs> That's what we were talking about last time. It's like, imagine if it consistently outperforms because everybody's written off the, this one year. You know, I was reading the comments and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, who cares? It, it, it beat the market one year. OK, imagine if over a 10 year span, the monkey just keeps beating the market year after year after year. It's like, what? How is this even possible? Luckiest monkey in the world. <laughs> Jeremy, do you ever get discouraged if um, <clears throat> like, for example, your portfolio is down substantially below the S&P 500? Is there any point at which you're like, oh, am I wasting my time? Should I just like just just do this thing or, or like what's your thesis yeah. behind like why you should keep researching and spending time and 
Yeah, n not nowadays because I've been doing it so long, and you know I've had enough success in the market that it doesn't it doesn't phase me. I'm like 14 years in now, um, but I can understand like newer investors getting down easily. Um, so, yeah. You know, you, you look at the investor crowd that got in 2020, like that was the best scenario, right? Imagine you get in March, April, May, June. You know, those folks just made a lot of money. They got off to a really hot start. They probably got a really unrealistic view of the market. But I can understand people getting really down if you bought stocks in 2021, right? Outside of big tech. If you bought big tech, then you were safe. But if you bought anything that was talked about big time um, in terms of small caps, mid caps, anything like that, man, you know, those stocks were just had a vicious 2021. You saw countless of them down 50, 60, 70, 80 percent from 52 week highs. Right. And so for me, it doesn't matter. But I can understand other folks really getting down on themselves. Um, and never mind, you know, if they, they tell their friends and family members, right. And they're like, Oh, you idiot, you lost money in this, you lost money in that. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure how many people actually, uh, you know, talk about the losses. Usually people want to talk about the wins. So usually, you know, I don't know how much they get into that, but yeah, I think, it, I think it can be a bad feeling. Um, if you're newer to the market and you haven't had that success yet and all you've had is down. Then it just kind of feels like the stock market's a scam or crypto market's a scam or whatever it is, right? If you invest in it, it's just, you're like, wait, where's all this money that everybody was making? Oh my gosh. So, but um, yeah. So anywho, uh, we got anything else we want to talk about guys or wrapping up anything else? Let's see. Uh, I think we covered most of it. Is there any, should we do questions real quick or, or should we just... Uh, you know what, Andre? It's it's your birthday. I think you should yeah. go out. You deserve to go out and celebrate tonight. <laughs> yes. I go to yes. all you can eat sushi tonight. No, you know I had sushi yesterday. I think I'm gonna go to. Uh, uh, you ever been to Hot and Juicy? That place is so good. Oh, I haven't I been. Hot and Juicy. That that sounds that sounds a weird thing. That sounds like a Vegas thing that no one understands. Like you're like, hey, I, I went to Wet and Wild last week. You're like, what is that a strip club? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> It's a water Hot and juicy. It's a crawfish plate. It's like shrimp. It's awesome. Anyway, that's what I'm going to do. And then Friday, party at my house. What's up? <laughs> Let's do it. Here we go. Party like a rock star. Party like a rock star. Bring your plaid, Jeremy. I, I want to I want to try it. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll let you. Hey, you come over anytime, man. It's all yours. So I don't even like the thing. Anyways, take us home, Graham. Oh. So guys, thank you so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe before you click out. Just, just hit the little button. It's totally free. You'll see us once a week. Uh, hit the like button as well. We have all of our information down below in the description, including the Clips channel. So if you want to be a part of it, down below. Thank you guys so much for watching. And until next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.